37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Hello friends and welcome to 37 Disney Street. It's a monumental uh, occasion today as we reach classic number 50, 2010's Tangle. Someone get me a glass because I've found me a tall drink of podcast. I'm Chris Fletcher. Right then. You're new, right? I'm Lucy Ray. Hello, friends. I'm Kim. So beyond 50 episodes, the 50th uh, classic, I think we need to think of some kind of video entry to this show that makes it a little bit less awkward when the music finishes. For the YouTube viewers. <laughs> yes, we, do have, we do have plenty of uh, podcast listeners. But I'm sure that was utterly seamless. <laughs> if you're watching us on YouTube, you've just seen us swaying our heads side to side like Stevie Wonder for um, 30 seconds. I like to think like the Muppets. Yeah. I'll <laughs> mm. do. Um, right, I'm excited about this one, Chris. I'm excited about it as well. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, this is one of my favourite Disney films. I'm going to go out there and say this is probably my favourite Disney film at the moment. I think it is my favourite. Um, it's a toss-up between that and Little Mermaid, but I think, I think I'm all about Tangled, you know. Ooh. You see, there's the older ones that you appreciate, the Golden Silver Age. Mm -hmm. There's the Renaissance ones that you have a lot of nostalgia for, because that was our generation. But then there's these new ones, and I think objectively, if they'd say, you can only take one of them to a desert island, I'd be a tangled girl. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think I would be. I think, I think this journey that we have been on has brought some little gems out there through, through the, uh, mm. the different films, but this is just... Yeah, it, it's it's probably where it started for me. Uh, yeah, I, lo I loved The Little Mermaid and th those films when I was a kid, but this film's what's brought me back into Disney mm. in, in my adult life, I think. And I think that is true for the general population of Earth. If the, <laughs> if the rise and alone. fall, if the rise and fall of the, the Disney Corporation's fortunes or anything to go by, it's a real kind of game changer. Mm. It's about this point. We should point out, by the way, that we're all in a room together now. We we're are. Not, we're not separate. And we were supposed to record this last week, but I forgot the charger for the laptop, so we couldn't, unfortunately. Um, but Never mind. Most yeah. we'd, we're experimenting with one microphone, so I think perhaps you might might see us all lean forward a bit to get into yeah, it. Yeah, trying to make sure that we're heard. Mm. Um, we're, we're working on the technical aspect yeah. at the moment. Mm. But, and, and Bonnie keeps waking up, so we have to, at the same time, not be too loud. So it's a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. However, yeah. let definitely. us continue. So this is released. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have a jingle for this. <laughs> Every time. It's time to dig a little deeper to learn some Disney stuff. Dig a little deeper. No, we ain't dug this far enough. Dig down deep into the facts. We'll find out what we need. Lucy will school us guaranteed. Open up the windows! Ching, ching, Let in the light! Ching, 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 
Um, it was six years in production and it cost $260 million, uh, which at the time was the most expensive animated film yeah, ever. Pretty pricey. And mm. one of the most ex um, expensive films, full stop, most expensive animated film. Um, the idea of a film on Rapunzel was floated by Glenn Keane in 1996. We've we've come across Glenn Keane a lot. He was um he was a lead animator on characters like The Beast mm. and um just throughout the Renaissance. He had never directed, but he had been lead storybook artist, concept artist on the writing team and things. Um he pitched <clears throat> it in 2001 to Michael Eisner. And at the time Michael Eisner was just wanting to switch the entire uh, animated feature department over to computer-generated films. Um, Glenn Keane didn't think CG quality was good enough or fluid enough at the time to do what he wanted. So he was dragging his feet a little in the concept and trying to think of ways around it, trying to talk mm. him into doing it different ways. Because they did, we've just done um, Princess and the Frog, and they did U-turn on that. They did go back um, sort of a generation and do it 2D. Yeah. So there was a lot of, you know, pull, push and pull with this. Um, at the time, it was called Rapunzel Unbraided. What do you think to that? Unbraided. Rapunzel Unbraided. It's a bit naff, isn't it? It doesn't have a nice, it doesn't have a nice, it's not, doesn't have a nice sound to it. It sounds a very different film. It sounds like it would have tried to go a bit edges, a bit... Bit edgy, a bit urban. It sounds like someone couldn't think of a word for unbraided and, and then they came up with it a little bit later. <laughs> well, it's, like, well, it's meant to be unplugged, isn't it? But it's, yeah. it's unbladed. Rapunzel lets her hair down. And this was in this was in full development for a 2007 release. The um, concept at the time was penned to be a Shrek-like version. Mm. Um and it was totally different from the one they ended up with. Basically, all they ended up with was Rapunzel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Nothing else. So Rapunzel Unbraided sounds like Shrek-like version, but I hate Shrek. I hate it. I just, I think it's very un-Disney. I think it's, it's anti-Disney, which is what it wanted to be yeah, at yeah. the time, which so that's absolutely fine. But the thought of Disney trying to go that direction with Rapunzel... I find offensive to my very being. So I'm glad that somebody somewhere said, no, not doing it. So it um, was trying to be zany, fun and witty, but not sincere. Mm. Um, and this is a problem that Glenn Keane had when he'd um, originally come up with this princess. He felt like his affection for mm. her had disappeared through this ride. So it was pushed back to 2009 um, to work on the story. Eisner had suggested, oh, here we go, <laughs> here we go, a, a San Francisco setting. Also, instead of a tower, she'd just be at the top of a mm, hill, letting uh, her hair down the main road or something. I don't know, I don't know. This is, I don't think <coughs> that, uh, it's not quite a medieval fairy tale, is it? But these old fairy tales, old European fairy tales need modern settings. People think that kids won't be interested in them unless they're in modern mm. settings. That is absolutely not true and there's no evidence of that. Think of all the Renaissance films. Stick to it. Don't, don't, if yeah. it's not broke, don't fix well, it's, it. It's going to be timeless if it's kept in that mm. era, isn't it? Check it out of there. You date it. So the project was 
scrapped just before, and I mean like the week before, Lasseter took over as um, creative director. It was one of Eisner's, uh, no, it wasn't Eisner. It was one of the last things to happen before Lasseter arrived. And then it was one of John Lasseter's first acts to reinstate it. So this was a cancelled project for about a week. Was it literally like... Literally. Went, some, someone screwed it up and went like that and Lasseter walked through the door and went, eh, what's that? Yeah, yeah, I picked it up. Thank you. This was one of the first things. Just past the thing, like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's he's got he's got vision and he understands audience. Uh, just John Lasseter. Um, so it, it was reinstated and it was reworked, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Now Keane stepped, Glenn Keane stepped down Not as director. Not the band, Keane. <laughs> due to other commitments, it was announced at the time. It was revealed the week after the premiere that he had actually stepped down due to having a heart attack wow. and being unable to work. But they didn't want... Um, they didn't want this to be plagued with problems in, in terms of the press and the public perception. So they kind of kept that under wraps, including from the crew, um, until after the premiere. He was replaced by Byron Howard and Nathan Grant, the team behind Bolt. Mm. And I think we said at the time, when, they, when that got a new management, we're beginning to see the emergence of new talent here. Um, so, Keane continued to be an executive producer and an animation supervisor on the project, and his fingerprints are all over it, really. If you look at his work from the 90s, it, it, do you know what? It's a perfect marriage, actually. His work from the 90s, and then this new talent that had come up um, through the, like, what we shall afore mention, dodgy era. <laughs> That's what it's called from now on. Dodgy. Um... The style was modelled on Rococo paintings. Now, this, the painting that I looked at is called The Swing, and it actually appears in Frozen on the wall. And oh, you, I know the one, yeah. You know, okay. she jumps up and briefly pretends to be on the swing and then carries on, mm -hmm. um, and the, the hair is flowing behind and the skirt is flowing. So they'd use that um, heavily in the concept art. It's by Fragonard. And it's described as romantic and lush. And if you look at that painting... <laughs> Anyone else got the Fraggles theme tune in there? Yes, I was thinking of the Fraggles. <laughs> Down to Fraggenard. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you do look at the painting, then look at the, the fluidity with which it moves and the lushness of the backgrounds, you can see um, the resemblance there. They were going again for non-photorealistic computer graphic rendering. We did say earlier that Glen Keane didn't feel like CG could do it justice, but of course it moved so quickly in its development that by 2010 it can do his vision justice. Um, so Keane wanted the 2D but decided he wanted to go for the best of both worlds, so he encouraged all his animators, his concept artists, to work in 2D for the concept art and then 3D model the 2D concept art. That's stuck, hasn't it? Because they seem to have done that ever since. Mm. Interesting. But you can see it if you compare it to Pixar work. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, dyed in the wool 3D. So they wanted Flynn to be the most attractive Disney male lead to date. This was their, this was their modus operandi. They're like, we want this guy to be 
the top of the Disney panel. So, and this is no, no lie, they got 30 women who worked in the studio from all areas and they called it the hot man meeting. They had a hot man meeting and they, they discussed the most attractive qualities of a man and they came up with what I can only imagine to be like a photo fit likeness of a hot man. But guys, you're both cringing. Who added, As men, you're cringing. Who added the little I'm chinny beard? I'm here to tell you. <laughs> the little chinny beard. I'm here to tell you, as a woman, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Because I do consider Flynn Rider the most attractive Disney male. Not Adam. So. No. <laughs> no. Don't touch me, please. Um, so they created a software called Dynamic Wires for the hair. Mm. So this could flow itself, so to speak, um, to, to give all the placements of the long, long hairs and the way the weight would work. and the way Grown, shrinking length. Mm-hmm. They um, commissioned Alan Menken. Oh, yes. yeah. I've heard of him. You've heard of him. Mm -hmm. The, the great, I'm going to say the late, great, he's not late, the great Alan Menken, and they teamed him up with Glenn Slater to do the music and lyrics. And he uh, aimed to blend medieval music with 1960s rock. And again, I think that worked. 1960s rock? I didn't get well, that. Well, I'm thinking of the 7 a.m. the usual morning That's line. Black you know when the, prose, isn't it? You know when the, it's got a bit of the guitar, guitar in it, but in. 60s. No. 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 no, I don't think that's... No. That's oh. quite right. Mm. I mean, I like the music, yeah. but, but I don't think he's succeeded in his aim. Now, <laughs> late on in development, uh, Princess and the Frog was released and it didn't do as well as it expected. And they found that it wasn't getting far quadrant appeal because it had the word princess in it. <gasps> Even though I don't think it's a very princessy princess film and they didn't either. The studio were really confident this would have far mm. quadrant appeal. But in actual fact, the young boys just didn't want to see a film called Princess and the Frog. So they were really worried about Rapunzel, another famous fairy tale princess, and that's why they changed it to Tangled. Mm -hmm. This prompted a lot of criticism at the time that they were dumbing down, that they were making marketing decisions instead of creative decisions. You think that you'd get like a whole, because there's Tangled, then there's Frozen, which kind of follows that pattern. Yeah. And then what, wreck it, Ralph? <laughs> like, is that it? Have they given yeah. up on that? Well, directors Howard and um, Gre Greno, I can't say his name, they, um, so Byron Howard, etc. they deny that it was about marketing. They say that as they were writing it, they realised it was about two characters, not one. And that they both got redeemed and they both had the journey. Well, and so they didn't want it to make it about just... Rapunzel, so they wanted to get Flynn in there, so that that's why. Well, as they say at the start, this is a story of how I died. It's Flynn's story. Yeah, well, that that's that's <laughs> what not, but... Howard and Greno said. And then later, um, John Lasseter said, "Yeah, it was a marketing decision." <laughs> <laughs> so they were they were really trying to spin this I as a creative. It, I bet it was, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So mm. there you go. Right, that's all she wrote, guys. There we are. So, um, I, it's, a, it's a really strange thing to say, but I've, I've got it down pat when I'm sat in a room on my own. I'm so not used to being in a room with you like this. It's uh, it's mm. thrown me somewhat. But Have you forgotten what we do? 
Well, no, because I think we do the same every week, don't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Basically, for what a we're going to do is, for all those people who don't listen all the time, although probably most of you do, we're going to talk through the story and we're going to give it a score. We're going to talk through the animation and give it a score. We're going to talk through the music and give it a score. And that'll give us a score of out of 90, but we want to get a score out of 100. And the way that we do that is that we ask the kids to tell us what they thought about it. Like this. Watched Tangled. There's a little girl who's about to be born, but her mother's is a bit poorly, so they use the syndrome flower, but they had to find it because someone else had it, and then her hair had powers, and if it was cut, the person who had it would lose the thing that they used it for. They used it to make them look a bit like not as old as they were. And then that person went in the night and captured the little girl. Her name was Rapunzel. Rapunzel's trapped in a tower and then she meets Flynn. And they're heading off to go see the floating lanterns. And then they go to the snuggly duckling and sing, I have a dream. And then they travel over to the kingdom and then they go and see the lanterns because the next day was a birthday, which means the lanterns would go up. But they caught Flynn and then he escaped and then Maximus freed him. And then he went back to save Rapunzel because Mother Gothel caught her. And then when she came in, Mother Gothel stabbed Flynn with a knife and he went down and then Flynn cut Rapunzel's hair, which made it brown and then made Mother Gothel look uh, how she was. Also, Pascal made her trip down the tower. She fell out the window and turned into dust. And Rapunzel went back. And then they meet the family again. Rapunzel and Flynn got married. The end. The end! My favourite bit is when Flynn goes, Will you stop that? When Pascal puts his tongue in his ear. My favourite bit was when they were looking at all the lanterns because it was pretty cool. My favourite bit was the middle! My favourite character is the drunk guy with wings because he's really funny and drunk. Pascal the Chameleon. Or whatever he is! Wizard, Chameleon, whatever he is. Him. My favourite character was the Chameleon. Pascal and... My other favourite character is Tangled. Tangled? Do you mean Rapunzel? Yeah, Rapunzel. My favourite song is I've Got a Dream. I've got a dream, I've got a dream. I wish to see the floating lanterns gleam. My favourite song was the dream one. I've got a dream she got. <laughs> that one. I would give it a five out of five. Because I just really like Tangled. And I also like the TV series. I would give it a 4 out of 5. I'll give it out a, of a 2 and a 1, a 2 and a 1, and 7 out of 100 million, and 6 out of 100 million, and 7 out of 100 million.
So there you go. Yes, and I have to think back uh, to last week when I edited that, edited that together to remember the scores, but I think I remember them now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. All good. All so, good. But what did we think of the story? So it's time to discuss how the story goes, I know. It can't be worse than Oliver and Coke. I think we're past the films that are worse than Oliver and Coke, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, th- I think it's um, it's nailed in as the second worst Disney classic. Yeah, he said it, yeah. yeah. Mm. After what was the, th- what was the worst? Um, was it Chicken Little? No. No, it wasn't. Was uh, it, it was, oh, oh, The Wild. It was The Wild. <laughs> oh, we, it was. we don't talk about that. Not anymore. <laughs> right. Ryan! Do you know, is this, is, this, um, is this the first to use that Disney animation logo with the, with the Steamboat Willie? Well, it actually had the number 50 on it. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. I think we would have mentioned that before. But anyway, yeah. just a little side note. But do you know what I like about this intro? Is it's a proper intro. Mm. It's got the little backstory, you know, the exposition of uh, Mother Gothel stealing the flower, then stealing the child, and all that. And then it builds up to, you know, all this stuff before the title. And then it's like, hoping that one day the princess would return. And it's like, then it says Walt Disney presents, mm. and then there's a little bit more back and forth with um, Rapunzel and Pascal, and then as the music kicks in and she runs past, and the title comes up, Tangled. It's proper intro stuff. It's, it's well ace, it? choreographed, and you're like, yeah, come on, yes, all of all that stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. There's a real kind of I, I just think, and I don't mean to dumb it down at all, but when you're doing GCC English and you're writing stories, if you start a story with this is a story of how I died, short sentence for impact, pull them in, get the uh, listener wanting, reader mm-hmm. wanting more, it's absolutely textbook. But you're back to a good old-fashioned prologue, like you said, this is what Beauty and the Beast had. And it, it really does work, and it gets it all... It, it gets it explained so neatly... Within the realms of fantasy, it's almost without holes. Now, I don't want anyone going into, oh, yeah, but this, yeah, but, you know, I think... But that's what we always do. You know, yeah. <laughs> but when you're talking about ridiculous fantasy stories, you can say, well, it's just ridiculous that that would heal her and why didn't she... I oh, think the I've got something that... to say about that later. Oh, later. <laughs> later on, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at, at this stage in the story, they've, they've wrapped it up so neatly and so quickly. Yeah. You're on. And then you meet Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I mean, we're going to talk about that with music, but I think her character and Pascal's character and her situation is musically explained so well. Won't go into the music bit, but it's within the first 10 minutes, you've had everything. You've had Mother Gothel, yeah. her parents, you've had a slight introduction of Flynn, you've had her. Well, and then what do you do? Straight into the canal, uh, castle, Flynn's. Um, stealing the crown, yeah. everything, boom, 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 Moves boom, boom. Lick a pace. And it? Mother Gothel, yeah. she's, she's a very good villain with like a, a quite a decent motive in that she just wants to live forever, basically, and she's vain as well. So it's a good reason for her to have Rapunzel. And she, she's she's an interesting villain, isn't she? In that, you know, and she's pretending to be a mum, which is really dark. Well, I have to delve straight in there. You haven't said much, Chris. If you no, no, you're all right. No, I thought she was Susan Sarandon for, for ages. I was literally that. That was what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I always think it's Susan Sarandon, yeah. and then I remember Why? that she's an enchanted. And that must be it. No, but it's because it's because the caricature, the the character looks like her. I think yeah. that's what it is. It, I 
it got to the point where like I thought it once, and then the, the, the next three or four times I watched it, I, I just assumed that was Susan Sarandon. And one day I looked it up. I always have to remind myself that it's not her. Not her. Yeah. Well, I've got a big problem with that character. I love this film and everything, but she, what you miss is that there is actually a fairly decent amount of affection between mother and daughter there, and she's brought her up to for 18 years, and Rapunzel's got an awful lot of trust in her and love for her, and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to disappoint or upset her. And even though she's an absolute cowbag... Are you saying she's done a de- decent job? Because she's, mm. she's raised a pretty decent kid. Even though she's an absolute cowbag, there are there is moments when they embrace and she kisses the top of the top of her head, and that's not. But she's kissing her hair, isn't she? Well, okay, I suppose. But she is, though. Isn't yeah, she? I suppose so. I suppose that's yeah. true. And you could say she's got an ulterior motive, but I mean, she does have an ulterior motive. But there is mother daughter affection there, mm. and at the end of the film, when she dies, and. She's only just learned that she's, Skipping ahead. That she's got other parents. You know, she, <laughs> she meets her own parents and you'd think, oh, that's wonderful because she's wanted to meet them her whole life. No, she hasn't. She only found out that she was adopted. Moments uh, before. Moments yeah. before. And I just think if you really delve into the emotional implications and the, she would the grieve. Stockholm Syndrome and all she that She would kind grieve of stuff. her in some way. Like, yeah. And they do a good mm. job of that on uh, The Avengers when... Uh, sorry if you... So slight spoilers for Endgame. You know, skip ahead to 10 seconds. But <laughs> when uh, um, Gamora thinks that um, Thanos has just died mm. in that collector's place and then she she, she grieves him. She, 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 like, he's like, why? And she, she's crying for him. And you're like... You would do that because he's awful, but it's still there's still a father figure there, yeah, and yeah. It, like with this. But anyway, that, that's all stuff that hasn't really occurred to me until now. Um, you do kind of just accept it in the moment, don't you? Yeah, I mean, like, the, the only thing that occurred to me about her as a character, well, I suppose not her character. It's it's what she did and how she did it. She's quite calculated. Mm. She literally she 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 goes, "I'm going to have her hair," tries to cut it off, and sees it die straight away in front mm. of her. So she goes, right, I'm going to have the kid instead. So And, and this dashes off. So she knows what she's doing. She's thought all this through. And yet she still gives Rapunzel her birthday as the same date as her actual birthday <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. It's not the cleverest thing, is no. it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Just just to speak in slightly broader terms, though, what I like about this film is that they've decided to... It's like they've, they've really wiped the slate clean, haven't they? And they said, right, let's go back to basics. Yeah. Let's do a princess film told... In you know, in the context of when that story, uh, you know, where that story comes from, but the only thing that's really updated is the kind of the rhythms and the tones and the language because everyone's got a modern tone in speaking, and I love that. It's it's really fresh compared to I think everything else that's come before. It's like a perfect balance of uh, classic old school Disney and this modern sense of humor. It's like what I like as well is that that dual story that it's not just about. A princess. It's it's about him as well. And mm. if you think about, I mean, you said before, um, Little Mermaid's one of your favourites. If they'd have taken that story and, and used his character as well within that, they could have made it an infinitely better story, mm. just and much yeah. more appe- wider appeal as well. Eric, love him. Very vanilla. No, oh, yeah, mm. yeah, without a doubt. But but there's so much potential there in that character that they could have done something with, and that that's why this works for me. And Flynn Rider, like I don't know anyone who doesn't who doesn't love that character. Not you know, not just we said before about the uh, the hot man day or whatever it was called, the, the hot man meeting. Uh, <laughs> but like, just everyone loves that character because he's a breath of fresh air. He's he's genuinely funny. 
Yeah. Mm. Like um, the whole, you know, the smolder. Come on, it's like yeah. I love that. It's you know, it's like it's like they've taken uh, the blue steel from Zoolander and like peppered that in. It's just got all <laughs> yeah. these certain little modern like little nods. It's good stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And he he's genuinely fun. You want to spend time with him, don't you? Mm. He's a love. You know what he is? A lovable rogue. Yeah. D- something else that this film does extremely well, and it's a point that other films have fallen down on, and that is. Once he gets her from the tower, well, you need to have a reason to get her out of the tower. Apparently, in early re- in early rights of the script, it comes. It te- she wants to leave, and he texts her, and then there's nowhere to go, no reason to go. Yeah. So they introduce the idea of the floating lights. So mm-hmm. she's got a real reason to travel. But once you've introduced that, you've got that journey, and there's been so many like. The problem with Beauty and the Beast is it's just a load of people having dinner, they said. And the problem with um, <laughs> Emperor's New Groove is, and then they go on a journey, and you've got to find a way of making this journey interesting. But the twists and turns that they take on that, the, mm. the, the sm- snuggly duckling, oh. and the being chased, and the getting yeah, trapped, because the ch- and Because they're that. chasing Flynn Rider, mm. so he's, yeah, bringing, he, he's on the run. And he's, he's bringing got... in the like the threat with, with along with him. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and sort of... The, the way they managed to make that whole section so engaging, not a dull moment for a second, is it's it's genius. It's absolute genius. Is this film partly responsible for the uh, pro- proliferation of dangerous uh, floating lanterns? Because <laughs> we we we, uh, we got married uh, in two thousand nine, and I remember at the time being like, like I decided I was against them, and someone brought one to our wedding, and uh, he brought a single one, and I said, look. Don't make a scene. Let's just let him. In case he's trying to do a nice thing, let's just let him let it off. And we did, and a band burnt down. No, it's not true. <laughs> but but, um, but uh, they got bands like not you know a few years only only oh, was it about two thousand about tw- about twenty fourteen or something maybe twenty thirteen somewhere around there they got mm. they got properly banned. Mm. Um, but I feel like this film probably contributed a bit to the pop- popularity of them. Mm. Possibly, I mean there were a lot, weren't there? Because it exploded around that time. And then they got to, had to ban them. Mm. I remember going to um, <laughs> Whitby on New Year's at about well, that time. Yeah. And we went up to the Abbey. One year, and it was, they, were, they were everywhere. Yeah. And the next year, the year they'd been banned, we saw about two in the like in that mm. entire night sky. Mm. We saw a couple. Mm. But the year before, dozens. Yeah. Dozens of them. All littering the sea. Anyway. Um, so. I, I really like, by the way, the the bit the, the way that Mother Gothel um, basically makes herself out to be the hero mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. she tie when when they when they they tie it's him so up and shove him up in the boat and and it looks like he's escaping like he's fleeing and and then she turn she turns up and uh, and she's hit them both over the head and yeah and runs away with Rapunzel I, I well not runs away you know what I mean basically persuades her that that she's the in the right and everything. I, th- I think that works so well, but her friends help her out, don't they? It's it's the absolute <laughs> textbook yeah. definition of a Machiavellian personality. And if anyone ever says, oh, what, what's that mean? What's Machiavellian? Mother Gothel, just in, in every way, just the way that she... And a sociopath as well. Yeah, like, she's sociopath. Very, she's very defensive and she's yeah. like, oh, I guess I know I'm the bad guy. Yeah. You know, oh, like, gosh, like, yeah. She's so, yeah, so... And, so do you know another reason I think this is so successful is there's going to be so many pre-teen and early teen girls who's, it's awful to say, but they recognise that that mother-daughter relationship, they have an argument and then the mum 
blames them for yeah. her, her having the argument back and, oh, so now I'm the bad guy. Yeah, that, that sort of feeling of depending on someone but being helpless and at their whim at the same time. It's an absolute terrible relationship. But so believable mm. in a strange way. Here's a bit I love, right? When it all comes to... I'm just going to skip to the end of it. We can go back if you want. But um, okay. um, when it all comes together for me is when Flynn's been led off to the cell yeah, uh, by two guards, two burly guards, and he just catches his eye is a little ceramic, a ceramic unicorn. Huh? Um, <laughs> and when you see that, you're like... Oh, the ruffians are here. The ruffians, and then the ruffians save the day, and you're like, yes. And then also, Max saves the day. It's like this, just he's a horse, but he's like a big dog, and you love him. And you're like, all these people that are kind of villains all come together in the end, and you're like, yes, it's so brilliant. Mm. Yeah, it's so exciting. You know, I feel like, um, I feel like. Did you ever watch uh, the the uh, Great Pottery Throwdown? No, Keith on that. <laughs> Uh, one of the judges, he cries when he's excited, and I'm like that. On I go, it's brilliant, right? Yeah, and that's how I feel. No, with it that. is. It, it's it's an absolute masterclass in uh, screenplay writing. And the it's... mind stops him in this train of tracks. So, I mean, sorry, I just remembered that. Yeah, you've got the, you've got callback, you've got humour, yeah. you've got oh, just everything about it. What do you think to the end? Right. Uh, well, have you got anything to say? Because I've got a little. Little uh, rant. Rant so, away. What, what I like about the end is that it is a nod to the original story in in which the print Rapunzel's prince is blinded and she cries her tears and it gives him his sight back. And I so, didn't know that. Yeah. So that whole bit of that is is something that I I really liked. It's a life. It's a nice little callback to that. Um, I don't know. I I like it. I I think it's a a nice fitting finish. Um, to, to the adventure. And he gives her a nice and choppy bob. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a cool choppy bob. With his unmanacled hand. I don't know if you've spotted that mistake there. Oh, oh yes, I did know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly. Mm. Go on, tell us your rant. Well, it's just um, the ending. I've ne- never really questioned it before, but someone on Facebook, I, I was saying that, like, how great it was and I was, I was saying how it's better than Frozen, mm. uh, which I firmly believe. I agree. I will, I will fight anyone who disagrees with me about that. Um, but this guy on Facebook, he's one of those guys who, like, he fancies himself a film buff, but he does that by using the same words that all these two-bit film buffs use. I've said them before, and here's one of them. Uh, I was talking about it, and he, was, he said, yeah, but the ending is such a deus ex machina. And I thought... I don't know what that means. Well, I think my, my understanding of that is, like, it's something that uh, is introduced later on that kind of saves a day. It basically, I think it's something that comes out of nowhere. I can't, I can't remember the origins of it. That's my understanding of it. It's basically like, he's either referring to the bit where she sees all the, the sons in the, the, the artwork, but I think he's on about when she cries on him. And it's like, I totally mm. accept that she, that power is yeah. within her and it's also in her yeah. tears. Not a problem with that. But anyway, anyone who uses deus ex machina, and t- you know, it's like, <laughs> just get your own opinion, stop using words like that. Um, you thought when like, we started doing this, like year, you gonna, thought this was going to come up a lot, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did, and it hasn't. But I'm, not, you know, I'm going to follow the backwards because he said MacGuffin, Mary Sue, Agency, and the Wilhelm Bloody Scream. Uh, you know, get, get your own opinion. Stop watching other film buffs on YouTube and using these two-bit terms and have some real opinions. So there you go. I think Mandy Moore is delightful. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I have... Yes. One of my favourite TV shows at the moment is This Is Us. 
and we started watching that pure for, for me purely off the back of her performance in this because I just think I, she's great. I don't know her other than in this. No, I, I don't. I don't know what she looks like. Uh, well, and I, I know her in one other thing, and that's the Rapunzel uh, TV series <laughs> uh, that Bonnie really likes. Happily ever after. Yeah, she looks yeah. so well. Although she's not made much. Her voice is a lot deeper. Cause she's was she? Um, how old was she when uh, Tangled came out? Is she like a young woman? Like. Not young, because her voice sounds deeper now, and it's like um, she's not making any attempt to sound like Rapunzel. She just sounds like she's about fifteen years older. Whereas Ariel's voice hasn't changed at all. No, <laughs> everything yeah. she sings now sounds exactly the same. That's a mild complaint about the TV series, though. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to put to rest so many people I've heard say that Pascal yes. murders mm. Mother Gothel, and I thought that for ages. And uh, I think it's not entirely clear. Uh, I think the kids mentioned it in the thing, but uh, in the, the the recap. But basically, she's she's dec- she's um, centuries old. She's aging, and she's as going she goes. to turn to dust. But I don't think that's uh, made clear enough. And even when you see her fall down, and she's, a bit of dust comes out, but it's not entirely clear that that's what's happened. No. And I think you should see maybe a hand turn to dust or something. Yeah. Because even me as an adult, it took a few goes before I realised Pascal wasn't just tripping her up to murder her. It was because she's dead anyway. Might as well pop her out the window. I also think at that point... <laughs> don't want to make a mess, you'll have to clean no it up. No need yeah. to introduce Pascal and his sm- uh, you know, smug face anyway. She's already she's got a cloak over her head. She's yeah. staggering backwards. She could easily have just fallen out of that window. It is a bit strange that that all happens so quickly though, doesn't it? Because she doesn't sit there singing to a, getting her to sing to her constantly, 100% all the time. Mm. And but but yet once her hair's cut, it just the like magic. Well, it is a smell. It's a smell, though, isn't it? It's yes, more, but she's still got the power. More than just like a medicine, it's a spell that is broken. But she still has the power, though. So the power hasn't. She gone. does still have the power. And she and because it worked when her. it was a flower, and it worked when it flower was a power. I, I don't. I don't want it's this li- to be on picture. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little sketchy, is that because? Yeah. But she needed to. Let's be honest. She needed to die. Yeah. Anyway, so that, yeah. that was so. So Pascal murdered her. I'm, I'm, I'm going the, out. That's it. The bit that I find I'm comfortable with that. I, I don't. I do not. I don't want to find holes <gasps> in this film. There might be holes in this film, but I don't want to find them. I've got. But them. if there's one thing, <laughs> is I don't understand why Flynn, the way he's laying there, doesn't let her heal him first and then cut her hair. Because it's less dramatic. I think they accept that if it was real life, it would be a bit more mundane, and they'd go. Quick, heal me, heal me, and then I will break the yeah. spell. <laughs> you know, but like for film purposes, we 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 go with it. And you don't really know someone loves someone else until they cry over the corpse, anyway, do you? Here's in it, Disney terms. Here's the thing that really, really annoys me about this film, and it's it, it angers me. And it's the the closing lines where I'm not going to mark it down for this, but um, I'm so disappointed with. I think it would be so perfect if uh, Flynn at the end he goes, I know what you're all thinking. Did we ever get married? Well, I'm glad to say after years and years of asking, she finally said yes. And I'm like, that's so funny. Brilliant. Perfect. Let's end it there. And then they have to go. No, I finally said yes. Oh, what, did I say she? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I ruined that then, didn't you I? Did, you did a bit. <laughs> the, joke <laughs> is, the joke is he says, I finally said yes. You're like, oh, that's funny. A bit right that time, didn't yeah. it? And then, and then they have to introduce this little Disney bit where she goes, Eugene, and he goes, all right, um, I asked her. And, you're, and, and, and then, and you're like, oh, let's spoil that. And then they go further, and she's, like, and she's like, and we live happily ever after. Yes, we are. 
Stop it. Just it would have been <laughs> that last line, I finally said yes, would have been boom. Perfect and funny. I know why they did it, because it's Disney and they have to like just finish it off and like mm. close it all off, but I can't I have some guts. I agree with it. I I love him as an actor. Have you seen The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Oh, that that actually probably is my favourite TV show. It is I brilliant. I absolutely love it. And and yeah, he's great in that. He's good in Shazam as well. Yes, he is good in Shazam. That, the only decent um, DC film. Oh, is film. it the, the main guy in that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Flynn Rider. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Chuck. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't looked too carefully at the cast for this because that earlier one we said it's it's not Susan Sarandon. I didn't we didn't say who it was because well, I don't. I don't have a jingle, but somebody else was in it. Uncredited, which is why I'm not playing the jingle. <laughs> oh, I think I had this written down. Yeah. Mr. Welker made an appearance. I want to say Paul Welker, but I'm thinking of Paul Weller. <laughs> Mr. Welker made an appearance in two roles. Do you know what they were? It's really, Max, it's really easy. <laughs> Max must be one of them. Yeah. Pascal. Yes. Oh, but that was easy. Must, I said, yeah, what really does easy. Pascal do that? <laughs> it's like... Um, the... The bit where when um, Maximus and and Flynn are fighting over the bag is just brilliant. By the way, yeah. yes, I, yeah. I, uh, physical comedy done brilliantly. I was, I was. It was one of those moments where I just had that this massive smile on my face, like, and I couldn't move. A bit like the intro, mm. uh, but when I played the history music earlier on, I, I was just frozen there, just just agog at the screen <laughs> watching that. I just love it. Um. I'm towards the end of my notes on the story. Anyone else? I, I'm done. I'm done yeah. with the story. Let's let's grade it. Let's score this 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 thing. Yeah. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, well, it moves along at a pace. There's no downtime. There's no waste. Uh, I'm sure it technically deserves ten, uh, but my enjoyment of it takes precedence. So that's why I'm giving. I, I've not put a score in here. They're not so disjointed. Basically, I think I'm giving the story a ten. And it's better than Frozen. <laughs> I should have proofread that. It's, there are some, there's some small, small, small. I was just thinking, because in my head, I'd already got it a 10. That was it. It as, technically deserves nine, but my enjoyment takes precedence, so that's why I'm giving it a 10. That's what I should that say. That makes sense. Right. I think that's where I'm going as well. I, I had 10 in my head, and then as we were chatting, and we just found the odd little hole in there, I was like, should I give it nine? But the truth is, I don't give a hoot about any of the holes. I still I enjoy it despite those things. I think I think the holes would sort of if you were to break it down would maybe take the score down to like it's been so petty nine point six. Yes, round it up. That's that's a ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, agree, agree. So, what, so I'm giving it a ten. What I would say is there is nothing in this film that annoys me so much that I could possibly mark it down from a ten. Yeah, there you go. I, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. Groovy. Yeah. Shall we uh, move on to animation? Yes. Look at the animation you, the characterization you, and don't forget the background and the style. Yeah, man. Now, there's a funny thing happening with our monitor today, which is that the monitor isn't kicking in any sound when we press a, a jingle until just after it's started, uh, which will mean nothing to you guys because you'll be able to hear it all properly, but to us it's a bit weird. There you go. There you go. Animation. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Rococo. Yeah. Do you know what? They've created a world with this Rococo that looks so lived in. And I can't, I'm going to have to comp- keep comp- compared to Frozen, but Frozen looks more like um, 
some of the stuff you get on kids TV where everything's a bit yeah. a bit flatter and a bit like it doesn't look as lived in. Yeah. And I'm not even, I'm not even sure if that's a, a stylistic choice uh, so much as like maybe they maybe they had less time to do for us but uh Tangled I want to live in that world. It's sunshiny, it's happy and it, 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 just there's so much depth to it. You can the, the screen's just filled with things to look at. And even the the towns as well, and the buildings, it just everything looks aged and lived in. But it's not all photorealism. It's not all, and that's one of the things I love about it. I remember, I know you said before, but when you were talking about Bolt the other week, um, and they use this, this same style, whatever it is, it's one of the things that really stood out to me watching this was was how how luscious everything is without being Toy Story Four level of mm. of uh, detail, which just would kill it in my mm. opinion. Absolutely, kill everything. It. I love the characters all plasticky. Uh, but it works. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying that as a negative. Like, you know, they, they look cartoony. Yeah. They've just brought a 2D classic Disney animation to life, haven't they? We've had a staycation this week, and I mean that in the proper sense of the term, in that we've stayed at home, but Hugh's had a week off work, and we've spent all week going to awesome. local tourist sites. That's what it's meant to mean, people. People who <laughs> drive 200 miles away from the home and say they're having a staycation... No, you're not. That's a vacation. Anyway, that's rant over. <laughs> but during that time, we've been to two English country gardens. Well, three, really, if you count. A couple of weeks ago, we went to the other one. <laughs> and um, Sounds great. Yeah. The other one. We've been to Chatsworth House. We've been to Castle Howard. And in both cases, we were blown away by the plants. We've been through forests. We've been like, like these huge hydrangea bushes. Mm. There was Brodsworth Hall. Brodsworth Hall. Oh. And um, there's, you know, you've got fl- wisteria climbing up trees and just the most amazing, amazing plant life that can only get there on a property that is hundreds of years old mm. and plants that have been allowed to just do the thing for hundreds of years and you really see, there's just nothing like it on this planet. It was fabulous. And that's what you see in the forests and the towns and the foliage in um, Tangled. And that is so hard, so hard to replicate for an artist because it's just been allowed to to grow naturally. There's no rhyme or reason to it in the in the real life that we've seen. And yet someone has sat down and intricately placed each flower and each vine, and each extra bit of long grass to make it look like these places we've been visiting. And I'm just overwhelmed with the beauty of it. But like you say, all the time, they managed to make it look fantastic, not realistic. Um, It's just skated that line perfectly. It's delicious, isn't it? The best of the real world, and just taking it a little bit further. Mm. That that visual of the tower, mm. it's just in, in, with the mountains in the background and stuff. It's just mm. beautiful, yeah. absolutely beautiful. And the character animation is really good. Yeah, uh, the smolder. Come on, the smolder's mm. perfectly executed. Uh, my favorite bit of character animation is uh, when Mother Gothel discovers Rapunzel's left the tower, and she sees her at night, and she approaches her, and she's like, and she basically says, "All right, fine. If this is what you want to do, you, you, you're going to regret it." And uh, she does a, a reprise of um, Mother Knows Best. Mm. And then she kind of, as she does the last word, she leans in and, and she swoops a cape. But there's just something about the way she leans in and she does that last line and yeah. swoops a cape. Mm. It's brilliantly done. Whoever that animated that is just like, mm. perfectly executed. Mm. 
And actually, that's one of those weird moments, you know, when you watch something and it, it makes you kind of well up and you don't know why. But it's just because you, you just because you enjoy it so much, like me and my Frozen Two moment. Well, I, yeah, well, I me, yeah, that bit where she, yeah, where she laugh cries. Yeah, <laughs> when she sees a mum. Finally, <laughs> literally shivers on my spine. Oh. You just mention it. it. Yeah, but it's not as bad as that. But 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 I do get a bit like a bit emotional when I see that bit of animation because it's so nicely done in yeah. in Tangled as well. Um, go on, you. you. Well, I, if we're talking about character design, the ruffians, mm-hmm. the how do you design characters? That are so menacing and yet so lovable at the same time, and and how do you animate them so that they can switch from one to the other? And the comedy, the the difference between them, the differences in size, it just everything about the ruffians is just a masterclass mm. in character animation. So this is something that made uh, made me laugh when you said about them um, using Shrek as a as a guiding light for this film in the in the early days because. We've seen this done really badly in Shrek. Oh yeah, really badly. Yeah, when they want, you know, and lazily, or any of that kind of thing. It's just, just lazy. Yeah, really and, and bad in, and inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, and mm. yet you can get all these wildly different characters, and yet they're there in in that space, and there is just there's just something about them that brings them all together mm. collectively, and just and I guess that's the setting that's going to be duckling as well, in in just a really really effective way mm. there's another really specific moment as well when Flynn's on the back of Max when he lands on him when he's been catapulted onto him and he's saying oh you know we got off on the wrong foot uh, and then um, Max's face drops and that, yeah he so, starts to give a heart to heart yeah, so, they've, he? so they've introduced a really funny bit into like a heartfelt bit so you get both in one you get the heartfelt bit and then like Max is like really you give me the speech now but then he cuts back to Flynn and he goes you're right we should we should probably and he does like, anyone who just saw me do that on the camera I'm sorry to <laughs> listeners but that bit where Flynn goes, yeah, we should, we should probably. Really, yeah, yeah, we, we, we're not, we're not that close. We're not going to have those moments. Brilliant. It's like the Tony Stark, we're not hugging mm. thing. You know, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Um, just, just brilliant. Do you know what? If uh, everything we've spoken about so far, and we haven't spoken about Rapunzel and her hair, but it's very almost overdone. What is really underdone is the. Um, grief of the parents mm. and you know when she's straightening his straightening mm. his medals mm-hmm. and they just look up at each other and the, the neither of the faces barely move and for an art form animation is about movement Yeah. and to just have two characters just look at each other with a very slight squint in their eye mm-hmm. and to know exactly what they're going through and how they feel and what they're both thinking oh. is I'm getting it now, guys. I'm getting it. I'm I will talk about this later in uh, the popular segment, Hughes Cry Factor. Um, I want to say, though, have you got anything to add, Chris? Make, you carry on. Well, it's about the final shot. Okay. And, oh, my God. This is perfection. Let me talk you through it. Um, so, the kiss. Mm. Final shot, the kiss. And as they kiss, um, one of them's holding up the crown. And the crown sort of hovers over one of the, uh, I think I think Flynn or Rapunzel's shoulder, and it's perfectly framing Pascal, who sat in the middle of that crown. And he's not the attention, the attention's on them as a kiss, but one of them, as they're kissing, one of them is casually holding the crown up, perfectly framing him, uh, Pascal. And then Pascal turns red as they kiss. So it's all building, like, just all these little moments. He, he's red, utter perfection, and then... It cuts away to the uh, the drunk Cupid man appearing at the end. Yeah. So you just got this like the kiss, 
Pascal perfectly executed in this in this frame of a crown. He turns red because he's embarrassed. Then it goes up, you see all the lanterns, and then the Cupid man comes in. Oh, bang, 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 bang. And then you're like, that was a film. Yeah. 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 That is why it's better than Frozen. And anyone disagrees, I will fight you. <laughs> that is the Disney Street promise. <laughs> you don't get that. Uh, you know, maybe that's not the remit of Frozen. It's a different thing, but... Nothing in Frozen oh, makes film. me go, that was nice. No, yeah. I, I completely agree with you on that. Mm. And speaking of nice, the whole bit on the boat with the lanterns mm-hmm. is just, again, just beautiful to look at. It, that's one of those things you say, you talk all the time about, would, would you have artwork from, from Silver Mrs. Artwork mm. on your walls? I want, I've said to Laura on more than one occasion, we've got, we've got a bit at the top of our stairs on the second floor that's just massive and open. And I would love to have something from that just, just there. Yeah. Like, the the lanterns and the, the dark sky and and uh, yeah would love it mm-hmm. one day maybe <laughs> it just perfection just perfection I can't can we score it because yeah ten it's ten from me so there's one bit right the thing is we always talk about how well they do. <laughs> what are you looking at me like this for we always talk about how well they do water. Disney. Yeah. Well, I do. I go on about yeah. it a lot. When she first steps out of the tower and she walks into a puddle and she starts singing um, the reprieve. The there you go. Just like it maybe. It's actually that water. The quality of that water there yeah. is substandard. <laughs> no, Chris. Wow. And for that reason, I'm going to give it a ten because I can't. <laughs> oh, thank God for that. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I just I thought, oh, that's weird. But and, and I thought I'm going to watch out for that. But the rest of the water, super. Was it really substandard water? It was just the reflection didn't sit quite well. It didn't look real. It looked like cellophane. Mm. I'm so, going to watch so out. So yes, for it was that really substandard. Time. I should mark it down. But again, it'd probably knock it down to nine point nine. So you yeah. round it up, don't you? Yeah. Music. We are going to talk about the music. Rate the songs and score the incident. Since we're on music and you just mentioned it, it's uh, it's I think you'll find it's just feel the grass, the dirt. She does a little roll, the dirt. I can't do rolls for my vocal cord. Just feel the grass, the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that bit. Dirt. Nice. <laughs> Alan Menken. Mm. Right. This. So, you, yeah, you tried to do without him, didn't you, for a decade. You're yeah. like, he was in the Renaissance. Let's see what we can do without him. Nothing. That's what you can do without well, him. Bring him back. We get and he did Enchanted and then this, didn't he? Yes. And he wasn't allowed to do in between because they didn't want to be too samey. Yes. <laughs> exactly. This is what the world's been lacking yep. is an... Menken musical and I just want to go on straight away and say the difference is the music matters now that sounds so obvious we've just we, I think we were very enthusiastic about the Princess and the Frog music mm. but the truth is the music just came on and said what the characters had already said in dialogue and just cemented it a bit mm. this, that doesn't the, sound like Randy Newman at all <laughs> They just they reiterated what we knew was going on. Whereas this, in true musical theatre form, the actual character development or the exposition or whatever you need is in the music. So the music needs to be there. If you took any of these musical numbers out, 
the story wouldn't make sense. And that is so important and mm. that is why it's successful. I've said before, though, that I don't like it when there's too much exposition in, in a Disney song in particular because I want to take that song out of the film and just and just, li just listen to it walking around a yeah. park, for example, example, and not have there be... The famous example, famous. <laughs> the example <laughs> I've used before. It was in our music episode, uh, Skills and Arpeggios, where um, at the end of You're Welcome, where Maui starts singing about a boat right at the end of the song. You think, that song's been really good up to the point. And like, <laughs> even, even, Very specific. Yeah. Even though it's quite specific about him as a, you know, a demigod, you can still kind of just you know enjoy it. But then he starts really specifically saying, I'm going to need that boat because, you know, you know like, <laughs> right, and... And but in the Lin Manuel radio edit, they changed those lyrics, didn't they? And it's awful. Did they? Have you heard that? <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Well, they had to. They released it as a single. Oh, well, that kind of goes against what I'm saying then. But in this, <laughs> when will my life begin? Um, great song because it, it kicks in like the guitar kicks in, and you're like, oh, this is a modern poppy song for a, a, a really traditional looking, you know, in terms of not not like technique, but. Visual, well, you know, whatever. It's 3D, but it still looks traditional. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, but the song, as great as it is, I love the song, it ends, first of all, it peters out, which you can kind of excuse if, like, that's fine, because it just, it kind of, the tone changes, it peters out. But the last thing she's saying is, like, she wants to see the lights. And you're like, what? So you're saying, like, the song has to have expositioning because it moves it forward, but I don't like it in this because I don't want the song to end with a really specifically that's, talking about that's some lanterns. Judging, that's judging the music outside of the film, though, yeah, but I and think we're judging should, I think, the film. Yeah, but I think it should work. This was my number one song in that top five songs, isn't it? What, what we're talking about here. This is my favourite. Oh, I thought it was Kiss the Girl. Oh, no, that was number two. Oh, was it? Oh, hang on, no. It was in my top five anyway. Okay. It was in my top five. Kiss the Girl was number two. Um, yeah, but... It, yeah, it's... because in that episode you went, and I know you don't like songs and in exposition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I I want my musicals to deliver what they need to deliver. When I listen to the songs from a musical outside, out of context, in my head it's still in context, so it doesn't bother me. But it's like Mother's know, Mother Knows Best and I Have a Dream are just great songs that yeah. you can listen to yeah. and they don't have to be... You don't have to go, oh, what, what's this bit they're singing about? Um, do I need to watch the film to understand it? It's, they're just great songs on their own. I have a dream. Perfect. It's funny. You know. So what we've what we got? We've got the 7am, the usual. When will my life begin? Mm -hmm. Mother knows best. Um, I have a dream. I see the light. So it's that's it for songs, isn't it? Uh, and a lot of reprises. Yeah. And two reprises. Yeah. Pretty much it. Yeah, and then the score, like the jig in the city. Yeah, and that's that's just enough. That's just enough. There was a lot more than that in Princess and the Frog, um, and there were the songs there needed to be there, mm -hmm. and all three. And you've no duds because you've so few. You've got four songs. They're all strong. Mm -hmm. That's the diff. I just think it's another. You know, he shoots, he scars, he wins kind of situation. It's an everything he needed to do. Uh, do you know Scott what, though, I will say, in Mother Knows Best, slight niggle is that when, when she goes, uh, skip the drama, stick with mama, sounds exactly like, still we think he's rather tasty. So he's using his, you know, his own little musical 
like yeah, yeah. But then things. If you take the little, if you take the little mermaid score, mm. which we, I think we all gave it. Oh no, you didn't give it a ten in the end, did you? The music. Oh, well done. Yeah, we all well done. So we all give it. We all gave it a ten. Oh, well done. But if you take that and stand a lot of it next to. Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of similarity, yeah, yeah, I think both lyrically like, yeah. and musically. Mm. I mean, I don't mind that. So it's only tiny niggle, but I always go, "Ah, oh, that's really basically that same melody." It's only like a line in a verse, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie like was so familiar with that song that even when she was like four, she corrected me because um, after the bit where she goes, "I'm just saying, cause I love you," and then I went, "Mother knows best," and she went, "No, no, no." After after that bit, she goes. Mother understands. <laughs> and, uh, I love it when you get like, correct. A four-year-old yeah. was like, mm-hmm. what? but she knew the song that well, that that much nuance in it, where she's like, no, after that particular bit, that line changes slightly. Yeah. Four-year-old gets it. <laughs> and can we just, we're all like, oh, Menken, Menken, well done. Howard Ashman has sadly departed by this point. So Glenn Slater does a fabulous job. The lyrics in this are fabulous. They're not quite under the sea, <laughs> mm, mm. but they're very, very close. And like I say, if you can, well, just getting a song to rhyme, I know that seems so basic, <laughs> but rhyme and scan, which this does brilliantly, but also move the story forward, rhyme and song, and there's no spare bits, there's no fluff, no. Mm, there's no yeah. dooby dooby doos or anything. You know, brilliant. Uh, it kind of ties into animation, but at the end of I Have a Dream, there's, all, there's a little sort of, um, what do you call it? No, is it a tableau? You know, they all sort of yeah. pause at the end yeah. mm. um, and they all raise the glasses and all the drinkers everywhere and then Rapunzel's hair kind of like jumps up and there's just mm. a real nice bit at the end of that song where it just punches it, just a little punctuation at the end of that song. That's great. And it's a funny song. I love the idea that uh, all these sensitive artists are hiding in these thugs' bodies. It's hilarious. Yeah, oh. it is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's one that whenever it comes on in the car, I want to listen to it, and the boys nearly always want to skip it. Unfortunately. Oh no, really? Yeah. Why? Why? Because the the too eager to get to Lucas at the moment is obsessed with life is a highway from cars. Oh okay. I don't I mean, mind re- that. No, I don't mind it. I think it's quite good. Yeah. It's proper drive time music though, isn't all it? Oh, long. Yeah, and Ollie, um, he's still on with the with the real classics. He he likes a bit of uh, Jungle Book, anything from Jungle Book, and he's happy. Mm. We, he actually made us what, listen to the, the entirety of the Sorcerer's Apprentice in the car yesterday. Uh, and did he keep going? No, no, no just listen, <laughs> just listen, listen to this bit. Yeah. Gunther wants to stop and be a florist. <laughs> no, Gunther does interior design. Who wants to stop and be? Gunther a... does interior design. Ulrich Ulrich's into mine, mime. Mm. Someone's Attila cup, cupcakes Attila's are cupcakes sublime. are divine. divine. <laughs> Bruiser knits, killer sews, Sven does little puppet shows, and Vladimir collects ceramic unicorn. It took that me, is just brilliant. It took me about six goes, maybe maybe more, to know that that line they were saying, collect ceramic unicorns. I was like, I couldn't make out what they were saying. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what my point is there. Is that a niggle? I don't know, but I don't think it was entirely clear. It's, but it's funny na- when you know it. It's the names <laughs> as well. Bruiser Knits, Killer Sows. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Spend those little puppet shows. Um, <laughs> Attila's Cupcake. Attila! <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just fabulous. Every word of that. Oh, and it says, my goiter and my nose. Goiter and my nose. And, goiter. and he makes a love connection at the end. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Mm. Should we score this? It's getting late. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, I just want to say it's oh. uh, something that I want at the end, end credits. 
Absolute barnstormer. Yes, it is. Great, great song. Oh, that, the whole I got really excited about it. the whole end credits. The animation oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is just brilliant. That's I completely a bit forgot of a to mention precursor that. Oh, of the um, animated series, isn't it? The way so that's good. Done. So, yeah. so good. You, know, you, you talk about the whole ending. Sorry to go backwards, but you talk about that whole ending being how good it is. Mm. To, to have a title sequence like that. That keeps you watching the yeah. titles. Oh. Um, See the Light is just. A beautiful, beautiful song. I said is. beautiful a lot today, but it, mm. it is. I used to sort of roll my eyes at that, but I've, uh, I've I sung it with my singing teacher, and once you once you learn something, you appreciate it more. And it's just a nice song. It, it's a it's um a nice uh, love song out of context, and but it's so much more in context. Yeah, mm. and and that's one of the things I love about it, and that's one of the things that goes against kind of what you're what you say, Hugh, about whether you know whether you. Listen to it on its own or not as yeah. well, mm-hmm. yeah. because it does make a big difference in context. Yeah, let's go, Chris. It's a ten, isn't it? <laughs> I wish it could be an eleven. <laughs> ten. I think I'm gonna just gonna just just. I mean, no, I mean, you said. I mean, you, I mean, I mean, you said yourself before. Uh, you know, doesn't it's not quite under the sea. And that's where I am with this. Oh. I think it's great. Um, I, I, do you know, when just, I started going through that Ruffian re- song, I think it is Under the Sea. I think it is that good. I think it's that level. I did, the, I did, the rhymes and the scanning I in wonder, that. I wonder. Um, I don't know. Do I think it's a 10? Uh, yeah. Do you know what? But I'm on the borderline here. No, I didn't want. I didn't want to upset the symmetry, and, I and I feel like now. I well, I I, I think if if, <laughs> if you're marking it down, if we're both nine and a half, then you can be ten. I'll be nine. I think, okay. I think it's nine's a great score. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is it is it under the sea? Not for me. Hmm. So twenty nine there. And not well. Wow. So yeah, scores are in. Let me just top these. It's up. lots. Oh, no, I can you top them up quite easily. I just need to subtract uh, that and that. Yeah. So, well, are we going to do IMDMD BBD? I haven't got them, I'm afraid. Would you like me to get them quickly? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, you go to Ron Tomatoes, I'll go to IMDB. We'll uh, double our efforts. How's that sound? Yeah. Do, 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 do. Um, what else do you want to say? You know, to fill the oh, void. Oh, go on. Cry Factor while we're doing oh, this. Oh, hang on. Let me, let me press a button. I don't know why they just can't be together. <laughs> Hughes Cry Factor. Well, there's so many bits. Um, for some reason, the slow motion bit of Maximus trying to bite Rapunzel's hair and just missing it always makes me kind of go. Yeah. go um, and it's not the first time I've cried at a slow motion uh, horse like I, 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 I cried at a slow motion zebra in a uh, David Attenborough thing once because the the shot it, it was a crocodile it was a crocodile coming out and and this this zebra was like and his eye was all white as it looked like that and um, it was all in slow motion and it, you know the, the camera was panning along and it was so beautiful I was like <laughs> it's that great. anyway so so that bit gets me for starters. Um, and then for the first time when we watched it was the bit where Rapunzel sees Flynn and it's the first time she's not only seen like another human, but he's a boy. And I was like, oh, look at her face. And she's like, she's really like fascinated by it. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, like I said before, the ruffians help them and then Flynn and Max go galloping off. He's like, let's see how fast you can go. And you're like, yes, come on, we can do this. Um, but, and this is the big one, we men- mentioned it before. 
it's when Rapunzel, it's Rapunzel's birthday, and the king and queen are getting ready, but the, and they, they let off the first lantern. But the I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to get. I hope I can get through this. But the, <laughs> the the king is just standing there, with his his eyes full of tears, right? And he's not saying anything. He's not. He's just stood there. He's just looking down. And his eyes are full of tears, and his wife looks at him, and she wipes the tear <laughs> away. But here's the thing. He just can't stand it anymore. It's just, it's just all, all these years taking a toll, and it's just, he just can't take it anymore. But it's, it's having a daughter, or just having a child, and thinking uh, she could still be out there, and you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and he's missed out on, and this is the thing that's sad at the end. Like they've missed out on all this time with her, but, you know, like the time we're spending with Bonnie now, they're missing, they're missing out on all that, and that's really sad. Anyway, but it's that moment with the tears in the dad's eyes and the subtle animation, and she just looks at him, and she's like, she gives him a little smile. Five teardrops, like ugly crying. There you go. Oh, it's nice Careful to see you doing teardrops live again. Yeah. <laughs> teardrops live. <laughs> yeah, the concentration. Right. Unfortunately, neither Rotten Tomatoes nor IMDb quite agree with us. So. Oh, well, we <clears throat> say 98. Oh. Well, the. Experts, no, they're not experts, are they? The critics um, have given it 89, which is high. Yeah. It's high, but we've had higher, and the audience say 87. I'm surprised that I, isn't higher. I don't think <clears> we've <throat> had any. I mean, we, had, we had 100 from The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Um, I don't think we've had anything. We've not had a 99, have we? And IMDb gave it 7.7. 7. Uh-huh. Um... No. We haven't had a 99, no. That, that is... So this is number two? Yeah, I think highest was 92 or... Ni- I think 92. What's The Little Mermaid? Where's that? Can you see it on the list? I can't see. He has a really out of order list There's some janky animation in the, in the Little Mermaid. Um, there, 92. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, ni- 19, 98, would you say? 98. 98. fantastic. So, so that, that is officially our number one classics, then, classic film, then. Mm. At this point yes, in time. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, really, we were being very generous reviewing the Muppet Christmas Carol at all, weren't we? Yeah. It's nah. not entirely <laughs> Disney canon. It's it, it it's fine. Whereas a Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you know what? They've taken the animated bit out of that and they're presenting that on Disney Plus. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'd seen the Faithful Wookiee. Yeah. How dare they? You mm. show that whole thing. Yeah. Disney bring Plus. the whole thing back. Just do oh, it. Just quickly. We missed fave bits. Oh yes. And uh, what's what? Lucy's just giving. Oh, I know she's trying no, to discreet. You were, no, you were hiding. You were literally hiding oh, behind okay. you, behind oh, your okay. chair like that. <laughs> okay. You were talking. Right, right. Like, um, look at the screen. Just, just quickly, we, we missed fa- we missed Faith bits, and yes. there's a bit that really made me laugh when we watched it last time was uh, the bit where his nose is different on every poster he sees. Yeah, he's wanted poster, and there's one where he goes. Well, now they're just being mean. <laughs> yeah. And I properly was like... <laughs> it's at a very critical juncture as well. It's yeah. like, he's about to be arrested. And yeah. It's like, that's what worries me. Uh, really funny. My favourite bit, but you've already mentioned it, would have been the, the look that Max gives him when he's on his back and he's being emotional. And, he... and the funny thing about that is, uh, mm. when it's in reverse and Flynn's talking, uh, you can just see the sort of the, the tip of his brow and his cheek and you can see it move into position where he's like, really... Mm. If you watch the the, the horse yeah. on the side, yeah. Um, but really, it's when the ruffians all turn up, isn't it? This it's when they're all there and they come and save the day. That that's the best bit. Mm. Well, I think the Sorrowit unicorn on the yeah. shelf, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, <laughs> mm. oh yeah, <laughs> it's a great film. Um, so 
as with the previous episode of this, I've written myself an outro. <laughs> right. If we're here, it's crystal clear that it's time to say goodnight. Next time we see the light, the fog is lifted on yet another Winnie the Pooh film. Hey, you like oh, that? Oh, are we doing that? Cool. Are we doing that? Well, it's one of the classics, okay. so we kind of have yeah. to. Okay. So we have yeah, to. yeah. We, have to. we might love it. In the meantime, we have a dream that you'll all continue to support us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all those other places. And if you want to help keep us in ceramic unicorns, we're on Patreon too. But remember, Mother knows best, so make sure you ask her first before signing up. Do you like that? Yeah. There you go. That's it. That's all I've got. So until next time, have you, have you got anything else to say? Yep. Nope. Excellent. Well, until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.